Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Worth the Hike podcast. I'm your host, B, and this is where I give you tips and tricks for exploring some of the country's most wild landscapes and scenic trails. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and have hiked my entire life. Since the summer of 2020, I've completed 409 trails, 33 national parks, and hiked over 1,500 miles. Some of the more notable being Half Dome in Yosemite, Angel's Landing in Zion, in Mount Whitney and Inyo National Forest, the highest peak in the continuous United States. Today, we are taking a look at one of my favorite trails in the national park system, the gem of the Cascade Mountain Range, the Skyline Trail in Mount Rainier National Park. We will be taking a look at how to get there, what to expect, what gear you'll need, and my overall rating for the trail. Let's get into it. First and foremost, I'd highly recommend downloading this podcast now, as you will lose service about an hour outside the park. If you're watching this on YouTube, head on over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you were visiting for the day or planning an entire trip, this information could be the difference in maximizing your trip. Please also download the Google Map for Mount Rainier National Park, the Altra's Map for the Skyline Trail, and any other podcast or music that you want to listen to on your drive or hike. If you're not already... I would highly recommend becoming an All Trails Pro member so you can keep track of all your hiking stats and all the trails you have completed. It costs about $36 a year. And wherever you may be watching this, feel free to rate, like, and subscribe. I only post this content in the hopes of being able to help people that love hiking as much as I do. Every little bit of support means the world. Also, feel free to follow and reach out on socials. Instagram at WorthTheHikePod, TikTok at WorthTheHike, and you can also reach me by email at WorthTheHikePod at gmail.com. I just wanted to give a quick thank you to everyone who has shown support, the viewership interactions have far exceeded my expectations. If you'd like to see my previous video about the Mist Trail in Yosemite National Park, you can click on the link above. All links for socials, trails, gear, etc. will be found in the description below. Before I get into the trail guide, I'm going to give you some quick tips that you'll want to know before you start your trip. The last stop for gas and cell service will be in Ashford, Washington, located 10 minutes from the entrance to Mount Rainier National Park, but over an hour away from Paradise and Henry M. Jackson Visitor Center. This is where the Skyline Trail is located. There are also eight electric car charging ports located in Ashford, Washington. Potable water refill stations are located at the Visitor Center, and while there are limited snacks and food available for purchase, I would highly recommend stopping at Morton's Country Market, located 25 minutes from Ashford. They will have all the food, snacks, and beverages you will need for your trip. If you haven't forgotten any hiking gear, you can find anything you might need at Whitaker Mountaineering, located in Ashford as well. If you have the luxury to check the weather ahead of time, please make sure to do so, as it could be the defining factor for your trip. On cloudy days, you will not be able to see Mount Rainier, and will likely get completely soaked in the Pacific Northwest frequent rain showers. Even if the forecast is showing sunny and clear, due to the enormous size of Mount Rainier standing at 14,410 feet, Mount Rainier has its own weather system, which will create clouds blocking visibility. The most accurate way to confirm visibility is by checking the live camera at Paradise, located on Mount Rainier's website. Link can be found in the description below. It's important to remember that pets are not allowed on trails in Mount Rainier National Park, so make sure to leave the pooches at home if you will be hiking. Service animals are exempt. In 2024, Mount Rainier National Park will be introducing a timed entry system. This will help control crowds and protect the delicate mountain ecosystem. Entry permits will most likely be released on recreation.gov for a minimal fee. When this program begins, you will not be able to enter the park without a permit. So it's important to plan accordingly and visit Mount Rainier's website for the most up-to-date information. Alright, now we get into the fun part, the trail guide. Before you start hiking, it's going to be a good idea to stretch out, as the beginning of this trail has a steady incline. While the first three quarters of a mile is paved, you will be gaining 500 feet of elevation. Another note, you are going to want to start the trail going clockwise, as this will allow you to see Mount Rainier for the entirety of the hike, without any obstruction. The hike in total is 5.6 miles round trip, with 1700 feet of elevation gain. On average, it'll take you about 3-4 to four hours to complete. 
If you're not looking to hike much up at Paradise, you can go counterclockwise for about three quarters of a mile and check out Myrtle Falls. Definitely worth a stop. Probably the most photographed falls in the park with Mount Rainier in the background. Relatively flat and easily accessible, you'll be able to see this waterfall going clockwise. It will just be at the very end of the hike. Continuing clockwise, you will finish with the paved portion of the trail and start seeing some of the features that make Mount Rainier revered. Wildflowers blooming in rolling fields, several species, vast arrays of purples, pinks, reds, whites, and yellows in every direction. This is also your first major stop, where you start to bask in Mount Rainier's immense glory, also known as the Glacier Vista. Towering at 14,410 feet in elevation, the largest mountain in the state of Washington and the fourth highest peak in the lower 48. She is quite a mountain to behold. You'll find waterfalls can be seen in the glacier runoff, carving out ice and rock alike. The sudden clap of ice cracking in the distance stuns onlookers. Dead Horse Creek runs along the trail as lush green foliage surrounds you. You'll want to stop and take photos every step of the way. It's also important to remember that while you are in this area of the park, you could potentially run into a variety of wildlife. Marmots and squirrels are very common, often running in front of you along the trail. Larger animals such as black-tailed deer are also a possibility but less likely. Black bear and mountain goats also live in the area but are quite rare. And finally, cougar frequent the Cascade Mountain Range but are extremely rare to see. Even folks who have lived in the Pacific Northwest their entire lives often don't ever see one. Important safety tip to remember as you go along the trail. You run into carved out stairs made of rock. They are often wet from stream runoff, rain, snow melt, and mist. Please take precautions when using them as it is easy to slip and the edges can be quite sharp. The second major stop along the trail will be Panorama Point. At about 2 miles in and 1400 feet of elevation gained, you will find yourself at 6900 feet of elevation above sea level. For the first time in the hike, you will actually face away from Mount Rainier, doing a complete 180. Facing off into the sprawling landscape, on a clear day, it is quite a sight to behold. As you will be able to see Mount Adams, the second highest peak in Washington, Mount St. Helens, famous for her eruption in 1980, and even Mount Hood all the way in the state of Oregon. Personally, this is my favorite spot to stop for lunch and grab a beverage. You also find a pit toilet nearby. Right before the point is where you can also split off from the main trail and head up to Camp Muir, a popular backpacking area and a base camp for those who attempt to summit Mount Rainier. You will be hiking directly over ice fields and this route is only recommended for those with expertise in mountaineering. It also makes for a fun spot to ski or glissade down. Once you continue on the trail for another quarter of a mile, you will reach the high point at 7,042 feet. Snow can often still be found here throughout the summer. As you continue another three quarters of a mile, or roughly a mile from Panorama Point, you'll find an important fork in the road. Continuing straight will be continuation of the Skyline Loop. If you decide to go right, you'll be taking the Golden Gate Shortcut, which will cut about a mile off your total hike. Important to remember that either way you go, you will be going downhill for the remainder of the hike. As you continue on the Skyline Loop, you'll head downhill for about another two miles before you reach your third and final stop of your trip, Myrtle Falls. Make sure to stop for photos, but remember that the area can be extremely crowded, so try and have some patience as you make your way down the viewing platform, as the trail can be very narrow with foliage on either side. Finally, after all of that, you will continue down another three quarters of a mile to the parking lot and your conclusion of the spectacular Skyline Trail. I like to give an overall rating for the trail. I base it on four different categories, the highlights, the uniqueness, the accessibility, and the drawbacks, each of which I will give a score out of 25. First, the highlights. You get to experience arguably the best view of any mountain in all of North America, all enveloping, towering over everything in sight, combined with a floral alpine garden with dozens of species and multitudes of colors cascading along the hillside. Rushing streams and an abundance of greenery help maintain a healthy ecosystem to sustain a variety of wildlife. Over a half dozen mountains can be seen in the distance, like a topographical map painting a picture of the Cascade Mountain Range, when the weather is right, there really isn't a better trail. This is a 25 out of 25. Next, uniqueness. In all my years of hiking, I've never seen anything like this. The breathtaking view of Rainier alone would rank top 5 in all the views I've ever seen. 
but it include the spectrum of wildflowers accenting the tremendous view combined with the wildlife, waterfalls, and scenic overlook of the other mountains in the surrounding area, creating a perfect synopsis of the Pacific Northwest as a whole. Found only in a 5.6-mile hike, nothing like this exists in the world of hiking. Definitely a 25 out of 25. Next, accessibility. The trail is located only a couple hours from two major cities in Seattle and Portland, both with international airports. Well-maintained paved roads can be found all the way up to Paradise. It offers hiking options for individuals of all skill levels to enjoy and a variety of services, including food and viewing facilities to create a user-friendly experience. Paradise and the Skyline Trail is something for everyone and is part of the reason that this is a top five most visited area in all of the national park system. The only issue is the difficulty of completing the entirety of the trail due to the strenuous elevation, a 23 out of 25. And finally, the drawbacks. As with most of these amazing places, the popularity is always the main detractor. The permit system is being implemented for a reason in 2024. The roads leading into Paradise are narrow and backups at the entrance can take hours. Parking can be nearly impossible to find if you don't show up early enough. Most people are great, but a lot of folks come with the intention of taking an amazing Instagram picture and trample wildflowers and harm animals in the process. The weather can also be very difficult, as you really only have two great months, July and August, to visit, where you will see snow-covered mountains and blooming wildflowers. The score will definitely change next year when the number of visitors is limited, but for now, it's at 18 out of 25. Overall, when everything is added up, this trail is a 91 out of 100. One of the best hikes I've ever done, and honestly one I couldn't recommend highly enough. If you can visit on a sunny weekday with limited foot traffic, I'd argue it might be the perfect trail. If you want to experience the Pacific Northwest in all her glory, this needs to be your very first stop. This hike should be on every nature enthusiast's bucket list. Here are some alternative trails within the park. The Wonderland Trail, which is 89.5 miles round trip, roughly 25,000 feet of elevation gain throughout. This is a complete loop around the entirety of Mount Rainier. An extremely difficult hike, one that's also difficult to get a permit for, and definitely on my bucket list. Tolmy Peak Fire Lookout, 5.6 miles round trip, 1,500 feet elevation gain, located in the Mowich Lake area in the northwest corner of the park near Carbon River entrance. The road is only open seasonally, arguably the most photogenic area in the park. This is the area you'll see plastered all over social media. A must-do and a tremendous day hike. And finally, the Mount Fremont Lookout Point. At 5.7 miles round trip, 1,100 feet of elevation gain, located in the northeast corner of the park near the White River entrance slash Sunrise Visitor Center, the road is open seasonally. You're also going to want to go to Sunrise Point. It is the highest point reachable by car at 6,400 feet, and as the name would suggest, the best spot to see a sunrise. Getting to Mount Rainier National Park. The park is located two hours from Seattle, Washington, and two and a half hours from Portland, Oregon. One of the more accessible parks in the United States with two international airports so close by, which is amazing, but can also lead to some problems. As previously stated, the park gets really crowded. Roughly 2.5 million individuals visit annually, and a vast majority of those visiting during the summer months, as the park is covered in snow for the entirety of the winter, spring, and most of fall. If you are visiting during the peak season, July to September, which is when I would suggest visiting, I would also highly recommend arriving at Paradise by a minimum of 8 a.m. That means you'll want to arrive at the gate to Mount Rainier National Park by 7 a.m. They do have a decent amount of parking and overflow parking as well, but the number of people that visit, especially if you are visiting on a weekend, can be overwhelming, and I want to make sure that you aren't spending half of your day waiting in line for a parking spot. A quick note for my National Park stamp collectors out there, You'll be able to grab one at the Longmire Museum, which is open year-round, but hours will depend on the season. You can also grab one at the Henry M. Jackson Visitor Center located in Paradise, but it is only open during the summer months. This is where I'd also recommend grabbing gifts and souvenirs. Please check ahead of time on Mount Rainier's website for hours of operation. 
If possible, I'd recommend getting your stamp and souvenirs first, as it can be easy to forget after you've been worn out from your hike. The visitor center might be closed when you're finished as well. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, the Passport Stamp is a program started by the National Park Service. Whenever you visit a visitor center for a federally owned park, they have a stamp with the park's name and current date on it. Really makes for an awesome keepsake and only costs $13 for the book. Also, if you like to take photos with the National Park sign, it's important to remember that at the Paradise Park entrance, the sign hangs above the middle of the road. So please make sure that you only get a photo at the end of the day when there is no traffic. There are very few spots for you to park your vehicle. and can be really dangerous if you're not careful. Entry passes for Mount Rainier National Park. A minimum 7-day pass is $30 per vehicle. The annual pass for Mount Rainier alone is $55. The America the Beautiful Pass, which grants you access to all National Park Service lands, is $80 annually. The Senior Pass, for those 62 plus, is $80 lifetime. But remember, if you lose it, you'll have to buy a new one. They're not replaceable. The Access Pass, for disabled individuals, is absolutely free, but you'll have to check criteria online. There's also a Military Pass, which is free for both currently serving members and veterans. Next, we're going to be taking a look at the three different campgrounds available at Mount Rainier National Park. First, you have Cougar Rock, located in the southwest region of the park near Paradise. Next, you have Ohanabakash Campground, located in the southeast region of the park. And finally, you have the White River Campground, located in the northeast portion of the park. This campground is on a first-come, first-served basis. The other two, Ohanabakash and Cougar Rock, are available on recreation.gov. Just to give you a list of some of the amenities available, they have no showers, no electricity, potable water is available, there are dump sites available, and a six-person maximum per spot. Next, we'll take a look at backpacking. All advanced backpacking permits are done on recreation.gov. You can check in the Wilderness Information section. There are also Wilderness Information Centers at Longmire, Paradise, White River, and Carbon River for available next-day permits. March is when early lottery windows open up on recreation.gov, Later on in April is when all wilderness permits become available on a first-come, first-served basis. Let's get into some of the gear that I would recommend bringing. Long sleeve shirt, hat, sunglasses, and sunscreen. This trail is extremely exposed, and you will get burned if you are not careful. There's literally no shade. My legs get pretty warm while I hike, so I like to wear running shorts to keep them cool. You should definitely bring a backpack to carry everything. I also like to carry a fanny pack so I can have my most useful items readily available. My phone, chapstick, eye drops, mints, etc. Beverages that I like to bring... I usually bring three water bottles, the Nalgene 32 ounces, so that I have plenty along the way. I also bring Pedialyte. I also like something canned with caffeine in it. I usually go for the Starbucks double shots. Those are really tasty. Some people that I know like to bring the Celsius packets to mix in with their water. Those are great as well. You can kind of double up on the Pedialyte and the Celsius. Or if you'd like to do liquid IV, that's also a great option. And if you're over the age of 21, I always recommend bringing an adult beverage. Really enjoy Great Notions beers, especially their sours. I would look into their blueberry muffin if you get the chance. As far as snacks go, you can never beat bringing a sandwich or burrito. Both are great options. I personally enjoy snacks from Costco as well. Recommend the Kirkland brand dried mango, the Korean pork jerky, and the blue diamond wasabi almonds. All are awesome. Probably the most important thing that you can bring on your hike is an external charger for your phone and headphones. Please make sure that it is fully charged and that you have the necessary cables to charge whatever your device requires. Not a necessity, but I would also bring a pair of hiking sticks. Probably can get away with them on the way up, but they can definitely save your knees on the way down. Also, not a bad idea to get some knee sleeves. I know they're a little dorky, but they really help me with stability, and I've never had a knee injury because of them. Finally would be a good pair of boots. This can be a bit subjective depending on your foot size and shape. I enjoy a high top boot to protect my ankles, but a lot of folks prefer the Hoka low tops. All links can be found in the description below. Now I'm going to get into a history of Mount Rainier National Park. This is surely not everything, but I just wanted to give you guys a quick summary. 
The mountain formed over 500,000 years ago. The last eruption was over 2,000 years ago. It was the ancient homeland of over a dozen Indian tribes, including the Cowlitz, Nisqually, Puyallup, and Yakima. The native Puyallup people referred to Rainier as Tahoma, the Great Mountain, or the Big Mountain where the water begins. The name Rainier comes from the explorer Captain George Vancouver, who named the mountain after a subordinate rear admiral named Peter Rainier in 1792. Captain Vancouver additionally had Vancouver, B.C. in Canada and the city of Vancouver in Washington State named after him. The first recorded summit of Rainier was in 1870. John Muir summited Rainier in 1888 and was later quoted, the most luxuriant and the most extravagantly beautiful of all the alpine gardens I ever beheld in all my mountaintop wanderings. John Muir in 1889. This quote was carved into stone at the base of the Skyline Trail on the beginning staircase. John Muir would work with the Sierra Club, the National Geographic Society, and the Northern Pacific Railroad for five years, and on March 2nd, 1899, Mount Rainier would become the fifth national park in the United States of America. Mount Rainier National Park serves as the pride of the Pacific Northwest and offers alpine wonders found nowhere else on Earth, a joy and comfort for all of those searching for escape in the natural world. Thank you for taking a moment of your time to view this podcast. I have some very exciting videos releasing in the coming weeks. I'll be taking a look at summiting both Half Dome in Yosemite National Park and Mount Whitney in Inyo National Forest, the tallest peak in the continuous United States. I can't wait for you guys to see. Thank you.